0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I have prepared a most hauntingly mortuarial entertainment for this occasion. Horrifying Tales of Wonder. Ghost Stories, Weird Tales of the Macabre. The producers of this radio program wish to announce that House Blackwood will soon be launching the Kickstarter campaign, For Back to Omnipark, an anthology of tales that will explore the mysterious backstory behind the park's creation. How did globe-trotting oil billionaire Dalton Teague meet his wife and co-founder, Evelyn? And what did they get up to on their clandestine travels to esoteric corners of the globe? What went on in the top-secret VIP area known as the Realm Between Realms? What was it like to work with the original team of technosophers? How did the realm of mind go so disastrously wrong? What is the true and ultimate purpose behind Omnipark? More on the Back to Omnipark Kickstarter to come. But now, as per usual, we at Horrifying Tales of Wonder wish to make clear that we assume no legal responsibility whatsoever for any case of death by fright! Fright. Fright. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I am, of course, your ghostly host, Beltravius Mountcastle. And on this crisp autumn evening, I'd like to introduce you to a friend of mine. He's quite a clever fellow, in ways one wouldn't expect. In fact, he's just about to discover THE THING IN THE CHURCHYARD by Josh Reynolds
1: I do understand the concern, Vicar. Really, I do, Charles St. Cyprian said as he selected a cigarette from the silver case in his hand. He extended the case to his host, but the other man waved it aside. "'St. Cyprian snapped the case closed and slid it back into his jacket. "'His eyes slid lazily over the cosy confines of the vicarage of Treadwall "'before his gaze settled once more on his host. "'But surely the simplest cause,' he continued, "'is to forbid them from visiting that dreadful place. "'Exert some of that old parochial authority, what?' "'Mortensen, the vicar in question, was a fleshy man of late years.' with a round, friendly face and watery blue eyes hidden behind a pair of well-worn spectacles. He'd been the vicar in the village of Treadwall since before the war. He laughed gently at his guest's suggestion and tapped the rim of his empty teacup with a stirring spoon. You don't have much experience with children, do you, Charles? Saint Cyprian smiled ruefully. In contrast to Mortensen, he was slim and well-dressed. A Leyendecker portrait come to life. No, he said. "'And now that I hear myself, I suppose that was a dast-silly thing to propose.' He lit his cigarette and shook the match out, tossing it into the ashtray Mortensen helpfully extended. He sat back in his armchair and puffed meditatively on his cigarette. "'No, you're quite right. Nothing encourages children more than the prospect of the forbidden. Put a lock on a book and they'll spend all day trying to get it open, what?' Mortensen nodded. "'Exactly.' Though, if it were, as you say, a book, I would not be half so troubled as I am now. If you read some of the books I have read, you might not say that, St. Cyprian murmured. He waved his own comment aside before Mortensen could respond. Still, that's neither here nor there. It'd help, I think, if I could have a chat with the lads in question, hear what they saw from their own lips, what? Mortensen hemmed and hawed for a few moments, clearly uncomfortable with the idea. It's just... "'Well, the folk here are—' "'Well,' he sighed, (sighs) "'Royal Charter or no, "'they aren't entirely comfortable with your presence here. "'Neither am I, come to that. "'Frankly, I sometimes wish I'd never heard of the office of Royal Occultist, "'or the fact that you hold that office.' "'You are, after all, the person who invited me,' "'Saint Cyprian reminded the vicar. "'And not without good cause, I think.' Mortensen, to his credit, had the good grace to look embarrassed.
0: "'Yes, well, I felt it was my responsibility. When several of our local youths claimed to have run afoul of a saucer-eyed, hairy, growling thing in a spinny of trees near the
1: church, it seemed the sort of thing to make you aware of.' He paused. "'Oh, sometimes I cannot help but question the wisdom of the arrangement between our camps, so to speak.' "'St. Cyprian nodded in apparent sympathy. "'You're not the first vicar. "'Been that way since the days of good Queen Bess, I expect.' "'The vicar refilled their teacups as he continued. "'Still, I can't have the local children talking to ghosts, or worse. "'Lord only knows what wickedness might come of that. "'Boys talking to the dead is the least of our problems,' "'St. Cyprian said, accepting a cup of lukewarm tea with a nod of thanks.' It's when the dead talk back that these things become a touch tricky. He took a sip, grimaced, and set the cup down. It wasn't any better now than it had been earlier. Mortensen's taste in tea left something to be desired. It was a bitter brew, and no mistake. Nonetheless, I will need to speak to the lads at some point, if only to get an idea of what they might have seen. Mortensen frowned, but nodded. Very well. I will take you to see them. "'But you must be gentle with them, Charles. "'None of your usual boisterousness.' "'I've never been boisterous a day in my life,' St Cyprian protested.
0: "'Last time you visited you yelled at Lady Wilkesbury. "'She was possessed!' (coughs) "'Be that as it may, one does not simply bellow an
1: Aramaic "'at a member of the gentry over afternoon tea.' Mortensen chided. "'Hittite, I think you'll find.' St Cyprian grumbled and I didn't hear anyone complaining at the time.
0: Yes, well, complaints were lodged in the aftermath, especially regarding the egregious conduct of that assistant of yours.
1: What was her name? Ebby, St. Cyprian said. Miss Ebby Galloglass, and I thought she acquitted herself quite well during that little fracas. She destroyed an entire cabinet of crockery with that cannon of hers. The crockery started it, St. Cyprian said leaping to his assistant's defence. Anyway, you won't have to worry about her upsetting anyone. I've asked her to keep a low profile. He tapped the side of his nose. She's got a keen nose for that sort of wrongness we tend to overlook. Mortensen did not seem entirely content with this, but he refrained from saying anything more on the subject. Instead, he placed his cup and saucer back on the table and rose to his feet. Perhaps you'd like to see the spot in question first? Oh, I would indeed, St. Cyprian said, rising with an eager clap and cheerfully following the vicar out the door and into the narrow lane beyond. Outside, birds were singing and he could hear the hum of village life. Autumn had arrived, but the breeze was mild and there was only a hint of wood smoke in the air. Treadwall was a little patch of English bucolic with a sheen of grimshaw over the top Tidy cottages lined up in rows along the cramped and crooked lanes, following lines drawn centuries earlier. The occasional tree broke the pattern, rising above the slate rooftops like the hand of a drowning man. When they reached the iron fence that banded the churchyard, Saint Cyprian saw a familiar face perched awkwardly atop it, long legs kicking. He paused and said Miss Galloglass, I see you're hard at work. Busy morning in it. Ebby Galloglass replied. She was short and dark and dressed like a dockhand or a day-labourer, down to the scuffed shoes, the flat cap perched on her head and the hand-rolled cigarette dangling from her lips. Someone, somewhere, might have called her pretty, but St. Cyprian suspected she was far too feral for such a description to stick. She scrubbed at her nose with a knuckle and nodded to Mortensen. Watcher? Vicar? Yes, er... Hello again," Mortensen replied. "Get down from there and tell me what you've been up to," Saint Cyprian said. Galloglass flicked the dog end of a cigarette away and thumbed up the brim of the cap. Talking to the sexton in it, and what did he have to say? He's got a gammy hip on account of him being at Verdun. Saint Cyprian, a battered survivor of Ypres, raised an eyebrow. He was in the war. No. "'Fell in a ditch while on holiday.' She dropped lightly onto the path. "'He also might have mentioned that the church here is new.' St. Cyprian glanced at Mortensen, who was nodding slowly. "'Well, yes, that is to say, relatively speaking. The original church was built over an unfortunate subsidence.' He gestured vaguely towards a spot in the distance. "'It was moved in, oh, 1673 or thereabouts?' I don't see how that's significant, though. Was the churchyard moved with it by chance? St. Cyprian asked. Mortensen blinked. I... Uh, I suppose. Bodies dug up and reinterred, or that sort of thing? I suppose I could find out, if you thought it was necessary. It might be of some help, yes. St. Cyprian studied a distant patch of trees and scrub speculatively. The haunted copse was an innocuous-looking spot, a bit overgrown, but nothing to chill the blood. Still, it was in about the right spot for the original churchyard, he thought. Well, you kindly attend to that, Mr. Galloglass, and I shall undertake a gentle perambulation of the grounds in question, as you suggested earlier. I wish what? Gallowglass asked, raising a bushy eyebrow. We're going to take a look at the trees, St. Cyprian said. Come on. They made their way to the trees, and then among them. As he ducked beneath a low-hanging branch, St. Cyprian could hear the faint hum of insects and the creak of the higher boughs in the afternoon breeze. There was the expected faint aroma of wet earth and composting leaves, the scent of wildflowers, and... something else. Not a smell, exactly. More like the memory of an odour. It made him think of childhood of wet days and warm fireplaces, though he could not for the life of him name it. "'Smells like wet dog!' Galloglass muttered. "'It does, doesn't it?' said St. Cyprian. "'How odd!' "'A quick fire would clear this all up,' Galloglass rejoined, snapping off a stick from a nearby bush. "'Clear out the brush, and then we could salt the ground. "'Whatever's here wouldn't be any more, not after that!' She tossed the stick aside and wiped her hands on her trousers. St. Cyprian frowned. Perhaps, though the locals might frown on us burning down part of the village. Let them! We're not here to make friends! St. Cyprian laughed. But it would be nice not to make enemies, at least. A sound interrupted him. It came from everywhere and nowhere, slipping through the trees and rolling along the air. At once shrill and deep, it set the roots of his teeth to itching fiercely. "'You hear that, I trust?' he asked, looking at his assistant. "'You never knew with phenomena such as this.' Miss Galloglass nodded. "'Getting colder, too,' she said. As if to prove the truth of her words, her breath plumed faintly in the air. "'What do you want to do?' "'At the moment, make a strategic withdrawal,' he said softly. "'Slowly. Don't run.' What do you think it is? Galloglass asked as she thrust a hand beneath the jacket. There was a hiss of steel on leather as she made to draw the revolver she insisted on carrying everywhere. St. Cyprian gestured sharply. Something that will get very angry if you try and shoot it. Sounds angry now? she protested. He had to admit she had a point. A branch cracked nearby as if a great weight had suddenly pressed down on top of it the sound made him flinch despite himself. Definitely angry, she added. All oh, the more reason to leave, St. Cyprian said. She frowned, but did as he indicated and pulled her hand away from the weapon. The growling did not still, but kept on, a basso thrum of displeasure. Whatever it was, it was big. The two investigators retreated slowly, carefully. Their unseen observer followed. St. Cyprian could hear fallen branches cracking and grass rustling beneath its heavy tread, but saw no sign of it, not even a glint of saucer eyes in the gloom. At some point, however, it stopped. The sounds faded as if they had never been, replaced once more by the soft hum of insects and the chirping of birds. St. Cyprian paused and looked around. He spotted what he thought must be the remnants of the old churchyard wall, Was that why it had stopped? Was it bound to the churchyard? No answers were immediately forthcoming. Oi! What are you doing here? A thin, high voice called, interrupting St. Cyprian's reverie. He turned to see a young boy standing at the edge of the trees, holding a packet of wax paper. The boy was thin, bespeckled, the sort who was never picked first for ruggers. Huntin' for ghosts? Gallo-Glass shot back. What's your name, then? Who's asking? The boy replied pugnaciously. Oh, I like him, Galloglass grinned. You would, St. Cyprian muttered. He forced a smile and took a step towards the newcomer. I'm a friend of Vico Mortensen. He asked me to, uh he hesitated. Hunt the ghost, Galloglass reiterated. What about you, Seen one? Are, are you talking about Bobby? The boy asked. Bobby, Saint Cyprian asked, glancing at Galloglass. "Yes, I believe we are. What can you tell us about this Bobby?" "He's not dangerous," the boy said. "Just lonely." He looked down at the package he held. "And hungry." He looked back at them. "You're not going to hurt him? He didn't do nothing." "We don't want to hurt him, I assure you," said Saint Cyprian. "We simply want to ensure that he doesn't harm anyone else." the investigator took another step towards the boy and heard a soft growl from somewhere behind him. He glanced over his shoulder but saw nothing, or rather, he saw the vague impression of something, crouched just at the edge of the old churchyard. Bobby was giving them a warning. The boy frowned. He didn't hurt anybody! That's not what the vicar said, Galloglass retorted. Technically, Mortensen is only claiming that the boys were chased. Not that Bobby harmed them. St. Cyprian paused and looked at the boy quizzically. Were you there that night, by chance? And what's your name? For a moment, the boy looked as if he might flee. Shoulders tensed, knees quivering, eyes wide behind the lenses of his spectacles. But the moment passed, and he lifted his chin. Stickle! Barnaby Stickle! He paused, as if waiting for laughter. When none came, he continued. Bobby don't like people he doesn't know, is all. He growled at me too, right off. But I gave him my apple, and we were chums after that. He took a slab of bacon out of the wax paper and held it up. The growling behind them had been replaced by a soft panting. He's just lonely, like I said, and hungry. Did he tell you that? St. Cyprian asked, keeping one eye on the spot where he thought Bobby might be crouched. Barnaby laughed scornfully. Bobby can't talk. Don't be silly. Then how did you know? Saint Cyprian asked. Barnaby looked at him as if he were an idiot. He's been here a long time, I think. He's bound to be lonely. So long with no one to talk to him, ain't he? With that, he tossed the bacon into the churchyard. It vanished into thin air bite by bite, gobbled up by something they couldn't see. "'St. Cyprian felt the hairs on the back of his neck stand on end. "'It wasn't every day one saw a rasher of bacon "'vanish into the gullet of an invisible beast. "'Hungry, too?' Galloglass said. "'She glanced at St. Cyprian, and he waved her back surreptitiously, "'no sense provoking their unseen observer more than they already had. "'There was more going on here than he'd first thought, "'but he thought he had the shape of the thing now.' Galloglass cleared her throat.' "'Play with them often, then?' Barnaby shrugged. "'Got no other friends?' He looked down as he said it, scuffing at the ground with his shoe, the very picture of resigned sadness. St. Cyprian, who'd suffered no lack of friends as a boy, felt a pang of sympathy nonetheless. "'I imagine it was hard to be alone, when you didn't wish to be,' he said gently. "'Would you tell me what happened that night? When Bobby chased you and the others, I mean?' He didn't chase me, Barnaby protested, his eyes widening in consternation. Just the mothers, they were the ones chasing me, he faltered. They're always chasing me. Why? Barnaby fell silent and looked away. He suddenly looked very small indeed, and St. Cyprian felt a flush of anger to go with his earlier sympathy. Ah, he said. I see. What? Gallowglass asked. "'You're not going to get rid of him, are you?' Barnaby asked in heartbroken tones. He knelt on the ground and reached out, as if to stroke something. A rumbling grunt echoed through the air. "'Only he hasn't done anything. He didn't hurt them none. He was just looking out for me.' "'Yes, I expect he was.' St. Cyprian looked at the old churchyard. Its limits were easy to spot now that he knew what to look for. From what he could make out, Bobby's domain was not vast, more a kennel than a kingdom, but he was a fierce guardian of those under his protection, living or dead even so. Mind made up, he patted Barnaby's thin shoulder. Don't worry, Bobby will be quite all right, I promise. He turned. Come, Miss Galloglass, I wish to speak to the vicar. They left Barnaby sitting there on his knees, his head bowed. Murmuring to his invisible friend, St. Cyprian paused at the edge of the trees and looked back. Barnaby was sitting on a stone, and an indistinct something had laid its head in his lap, its saucer eyes shining dimly in the dusk. As it turned out, Mortensen was searching for them as well. He hurried toward them as they emerged from the dark shadows beneath the trees. I just saw young Barnaby Stickle heading in there. Did you see him? We did, as a matter of fact, St. Cyprian said. Mortensen tried to push past him. We must get him out of there! Hurry! Galloglass intercepted him. The vicar stumbled back in surprise. Fine, in it," she said. Happy as a pig in muck, yeah? What? I, I don't understand. Mortensen looked at St. Cyprian. What's going on? How could you just... just leave him in there? Nothing in there will harm that boy. St. Cyprian said. Quite the contrary, in fact. Mortensen blinked. What do you mean? The creature. St. Cyprian smiled. First tell me this. Was I right then? Is this the old churchyard? Mortensen nodded. Yes, it, uh, it appears so. Is that um, significant? Yes, St. Cyprian replied. Quite significant. It tells me my suspicions were correct. Bobby won't harm anyone, least of all young Mr. Stickle. Won't harm, but but the boys. It chased them. Ah, St. Cyprian grinned broadly. But who were they chasing? Mortensen paused. Something that might have been guilt flashed across his face. Boys will be boys, he began half-heartedly. Then, seeing the look on St. Cyprian's face, he sighed and said, ''Yes, I know. His family hasn't been here long. Originally from Barchester. Bit of trouble getting into the swing of village life.'' He paused. ''I am told young Barnaby was, is a bit of an odd duck. Bookish, not sociable. I'm told the other children won't have anything to do with him now. Not that he seems to mind.'' I don't see why he would. He has a friend now. Yes, but—' Mortensen stammered. But what sort? The sort a boy needs, vicar, St. Cyprian said. Mortensen's eyes widened. And what precisely is that supposed to mean? It's all very simple, said St. Cyprian. Barnaby, unintentional as it may well have been, sought sanctuary in the churchyard. There are laws concerning such matters, inviolable ones. Barnaby invoked sanctuary, and it was given. Mortensen shook his head. But the churchyard, it's not even a place any more. And was the ground deconsecrated? St. Cyprian asked. I, I don't. And what about the first occupant? St. Cyprian demanded. Was he dug up as well? Mortensen stared at him blankly. I dare say that if we dig back far enough in the village records, we'll find mention of it. St. Cyprian said. It was, and still is, in some places, a belief that the first soul interred in a churchyard must act as its guardian, against the transgressors of the devil. Sometimes this task would fall to a local criminal or even a stillborn babe, but often, for lack of infants or murderers, they would bury an animal instead. For instance, a dog. Is there nothing we can do? Mortensen said. "'staring at the trees with a perplexed expression. "'Is there not some way of of getting rid of it?' "'Not to my knowledge,' St. Cyprian replied. "'And after all, why would you? "'A church grim isn't a bad thing to have. "'Adds a certain panache to your local house of worship, I should think.' "'But but what about Barnaby?' Mortensen asked. "'What about him?' St. Cyprian smiled as from the trees echoed the sounds of a boy at play. From the amount of crashing about, it seemed Bobby was having fun as well. After all, no
0: happier pairing than a boy and his dog, what? And so ends our tale for this evening. And remember, to support this program and gain access to bonus Chamber of Fright episodes please do pay us a visit at patreon.com forward slash tales of wonder pod.